0: you can avoid God's discipline, the natural consequences for your wrongdoings, and of course, completely avoid God's wrath. There is no reason to suffer through any of these if you fear the Lord and try to do as he teaches us so lovingly through his word and through the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be talking about chastening, consequences, environment, and wrath. I think we can all agree that this world is not a very easy place, but actually quite the contrary. This world can be difficult and for various reasons, yet there is a certain hardship that can be avoided if we choose to follow the Lord faithfully. God did not promise that we would have a perfect life while here, but our lives can be very different with an eternal glorious outcome. We may not be able to change the world, but we can certainly change our way of living through the Holy Spirit and be ready for eternity through Him. Today's message is based on the book of Psalms, chapter 38. Let us pray. Lord God, blessed Father, creator of heaven and earth, the one that was and is and is to come. I praise you and I worship you, O Lord, for your goodness and your mercy, for your grace, for your loving kindness, because no one is like you, O Lord. Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you, and I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for forgiveness and for your mercy. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, O Lord, that we can depend on your grace. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you help us never to take Lord God, your grace for granted. But help us, O Lord, to value it and to treasure it for exactly what it is. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you may guide us through your word, through your Holy Spirit, Lord God. But above everything, O Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may help us to be sensitive, that you help us to be soft in your hands, that we may have, Lord God, humble hearts before you, ready to listen. For the honor and glory of of your name, I pray and I give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. We'll be reading today from Psalms chapter 38. This is the word of the Lord. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me deeply and your hand presses me down. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled, I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are full of inflammation and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you and my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pants, my strength fails me. As for the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague and my relatives stand afar off. Those also who seek my life lay snares for me. Those who seek my hurt speak of destruction and plan deception all the day long. But I, like a deaf man, do not hear, and I am like a mute who does not open his mouth. Thus I am like a man who does not hear and whose mouth is no response. For in you, O Lord, I hope, you will hear, O Lord my God. For I said, hear me, lest they rejoice over me, lest when my foot slips, They exalt themselves against me, for I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare my iniquity. I will be in anguish over my sin. But my enemies are vigorous, and they are strong, and those who hate me wrongfully have multiplied, those also who render evil for good. They are my adversaries, because I follow what is good. Do not forsake me, O Lord, O my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me. O Lord, my salvation. If we understand what David wrote, we can see that there are multiple reasons for why he feels he could be experiencing difficulty. Throughout the Bible, we can understand that there are generally four reasons for why we as believers can experience hardship. If we could define them somehow, it would be as follows. Chastening or discipline, consequences, environment, wrath, Let's start by first what we listed, by chastening or discipline. There's much controversy with this one because many Christians feel that God does not discipline his children, but that misunderstanding occurs because there's not proper search through the scriptures or because many people are just unwilling to accept this truth. Does God in fact chasten or discipline? And the answer is yes. One of the clearest passages we can see this explained in the Bible is in Hebrews chapter 12, where it says this, And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them. But he, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, after it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so it is very clear that God does chasten, especially if he loves someone, or rather if he is inclined for that person to change, depending on the state of their heart. This will be explained later in a different point. But meanwhile, as part of this explanation for discipline, God does discipline his children. The reason for why God does this is because he is more interested in us learning and growing than in our temporary well-being. God always sees things through the lens of eternity and how right and wrong will impact our lives in the coming world. And if we're falling into sin, especially sin that starts becoming a common problem in our lives, he will go out of his way and allow for discipline to happen. This goes beyond natural consequences for wrongful actions. As we all know, We may not always experience the natural consequences of our wrongdoings immediately, and God may choose not to wait for those consequences to happen. He may choose to allow for something or some things to happen to help us return to a more correct path, because we will never be perfect while here on earth due to the fallen nature that is still within us. But God does want to continue that path to perfection in our lives. He is in the business of transforming lives as he prepares us for future things that will occur in eternity. And so discipline occurs as a result of sinning, where God allows for certain things to happen that will help us snap out of that bad moment we may be undergoing through our own wrongdoing. Discipline is both for training and correcting in the Lord. The next topic is natural consequences for our wrongful actions. We suffer the consequences of our actions sometimes as children of God. I say that we sometimes suffer natural consequences because God in his infinite mercy and divine protection, he does not usually let all kinds of consequences that are well-deserved happen to us for our sins. God is very merciful and he expends more energy protecting us from the natural consequences of our sins than disciplining us. Think about it this way. For those of us that drive, we know that if we do something wrong while driving and a police officer is watching, chances are is that we will get a ticket or a black mark or whatever disciplinary action is called in the country you live in uh, for our traffic violations. I remember when I went to traffic school many, many years ago, precisely because I got in trouble for a traffic violation and the teacher explained at that time that statistically speaking, A person in the United States will have committed dozens of traffic violations before a police officer catches them doing something wrong. I know that most of us do not feel any sense of joy when getting caught, but if we're truthful, we've probably committed many, many traffic violations before actually getting caught. It's similar with natural consequences of our sins. God does not allow for us to receive the just and fair consequences of our sins every time we sin no matter how much we think we are affected. God expends more energy protecting us than anything. And if we are sincere, we should be able to realize that. So following our reasoning behind this, we sometimes suffer natural consequences related to our wrongful actions. For instance, if a young unmarried couple are engaging in sexual activities, there are many natural consequences that may occur, such as an unplanned or unwanted pregnancy or acquiring a sexually transmitted disease or staying in a toxic relationship for all the wrong reasons and so on. If these happen, it is not because God went out of his way to allow for something to happen. It's just the natural consequence for wrongdoing. It's just like adultery or stealing or any other sin that exists that you may just get caught and or suffer the natural consequences of those wrongful actions. If we read again what the psalmist said, he is testifying of this very thing when he says, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. So you see, he is talking about his sin. He is talking about his iniquities. And he also mentions that his wounds, not necessarily physical wounds, are foul and festering because of his foolishness. That's why many people shouldn't get upset with God when they receive the natural consequences that come with their own stupid decisions. We usually make our own lives more challenging because of giving in to our sin, to the weaknesses of our flesh. We only have one person to blame for that, and that is ourselves. The other reason for why we may go through hardship is because of the environment that surrounds us. This world was contaminated with sin since the fall of man. Sin has made this planet the unpleasant and difficult place it can be. And also, because of that environment, because many people choose to follow their sinful ways, those same people make life more difficult for others. We see this reflected in the following passage where David says, Those also who seek my life lay snares for me. Those who seek my hurt speak of destruction and plan deception all the day long. And he says this later on also, but my enemies are vigorous and they are strong and those who hate me wrongfully have multiplied. Those also who render evil for good, they are my adversaries because I follow what is good. We are surrounded by evil people. That's the reality we live in. There are people that say that down deep inside, everyone has good intentions or wants to do the right thing. And that is far from the truth. The truth is that most people give in to the evil desire of their flesh, and their intentions are usually selfish and sinful. That's the truth. The moment a person starts thinking about themselves and about fulfilling their own desires is the moment that loving their neighbor takes a distant place in the line of priority for them. Most people are out for number one, for themselves. If you doubt what I'm saying, just look around. And if you are sincere, you may find that you may have some selfish aspects in your life. Everyone does in one way or another. Our world is governed by greed, by moral disorder, and by sinful desires. We live in a world of darkness. And because of that, when you choose for Christ, you are going against the giant and powerful current of the world. This is what Jesus explained in John chapter 15. If the world hates you, and you know that it hated me before it hated you, if you were of the world, the world will love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So you see, When you make a decision to follow Christ, many people will not like you. That's reality. Some people may show their contempt for you very clearly and others will hide it in the shadows of their deceit. But at any event, things will be difficult for you sooner or later when you try to do what is right before the Lord. We may suffer because of the evil environment we're surrounded by because sin is all around us. Now, the last topic is related to God's wrath. It is possible for a believer to suffer God's wrath, but there are two ways that God's wrath may be manifested. In the first instance and the way in which David is referring to experiencing God's wrath is when a believer decides to transgress or rebel against God. In other words, this action goes way beyond weaknesses or dumb moments, some that we all have. God does not exhibit his wrath against the frailties of our flesh. Because again, he is more than aware of our imperfection. He views the wrongdoing by exploring our hearts, the depths of our beings. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, the following, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God searches our hearts and minds and he knows every intention we have. There is no escaping God's view into our very souls. What triggers the Lord's wrath is when a person that says that they are a believer chooses to willfully commit sin or practice sin when a person adopts a sinful lifestyle for a prolonged period of time. They ultimately lead a life of rebellion. And Hebrews chapter 10 says this, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses of how much worse punishment. Do you suppose, will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he is sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It can't be any clearer. God can shed his wrath on his so-called people if they decide to push their limits and not value Jesus' sacrifice and treat their salvation like a license to sin. Make no mistake. That is why we always warn people of not committing the mistake of thinking that God's standards revolve around their opinion. We need to go by the word of God. God's word is the standard we must follow, not our thoughts or our opinions or what other people might say or think. We need to understand what God says. And when God's wrath is manifested, there are many things that can go wrong and it will be highly unpleasant. And the greatest danger that exists when going above and beyond God's grace is that God may not let you enter his kingdom. Here's where a lot of people get it wrong. Is God's unmerited grace sufficient to wash away our sins? Yes, of course. But God's grace is not to be abused and taken for granted. That is the big difference. There are two key passages that explain the danger of practicing sin or living a sinful lifestyle. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident A son or daughter are the ones that can inherit from a parent. And it says very clearly, he, that those who practice, meaning that sin becomes a lifestyle, a way of being, a part of their life, sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. A believer may not inherit the kingdom of God if they lead a lifestyle of sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 gives us a very clear and similar warning where it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. This passage gives clear indication that if these sins persist in a person's life, no matter how much they declare themselves to be believers or followers of Jesus Christ, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible teaches us this in Philippians chapter 2, the following, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. As Christians, we are supposed to take care of our salvation, not to abuse it, not to take it for granted. We're supposed to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And so people may experience God's wrath, those that choose to be rebellious against God despite having been enlightened and exposed to God's truth. In 2 Peter chapter 2, it says, for if, After they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to a wallowing in the mire. The Bible also gives the following warning in Hebrews chapter six, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame we can cite many other passages where the Bible gives very clear indication that a person that chooses to willfully sin and rebel against the Lord, that they will experience God's wrath and there will be no redemption. God is love and mercy and grace, but make no mistake, God is no fool. God is God, God is a holy and sovereign God. This is what the scripture also tells us relevant to what we decide to do. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For if he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In all things for our own good, We should keep this in mind in everything that we choose to do, whatever our circumstances are. This world is not an easy place to live in, but here are some things to consider. If you adopt and practice in your life what God tells you to do, you can avoid three out of the four things we saw today. You can avoid God's discipline, the natural consequences for your wrongdoings, and of course, completely avoid God's wrath. There is no reason to suffer through any of these if you fear the Lord and try to do as he teaches us so lovingly through his word and through the promptings of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to avoid hardship, at least the type that we can bring upon ourselves. And I think we can all agree that this life can be challenging all on its own. We don't need to make it any more challenging for ourselves. And here is the final thing to consider, that if you should go through any difficulty, that it be for doing the right thing as you try to please the Lord. The Bible gives us this very wise counsel, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. I would encourage you to endure whatever hardship for Christ because there is eternal reward and blessing that comes along with it and of course as you secure through the work of the Holy Spirit your own salvation. Nothing else in the world can give us what God can. Consider what God has done for you through Jesus Christ as you make decisions throughout your life. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to understand, O God, we can avoid so much hardship if we just obey you, if we are just humble before you, if we submit to you, if we look to do those things that please you. Heavenly Father, you don't desire our destruction in any kind of way, but actually quite the contrary, because you gave your only Son to die for us, for our sins, so that we could be saved, so that we could have salvation, you gave what was most treasured to you because you loved us, Lord. And Heavenly Father, all you want to do is avoid those things that cause pain and heartache. And, and Lord God, just, just so much, just so many things. Heavenly Father, please forgive us for the wrongs that we do. Please have mercy, Lord God, on us. Help us to understand, O Lord, that your ways are life. Heavenly Father, help us to be sensitive to your word, to your Holy Spirit. Help us, O Lord, to understand, Lord God, that all you want is just what's good for us. Heavenly Father, and if we endure hardship because of you, because of our faith in Christ, and because of doing what is right before you, Help us, O oh Lord, to stay the course, no matter what, Lord God, and to know and to understand that there is reward and that there is blessing, and that more and above all things, there is eternal life. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for the hope that we have in you. I give you thanks, O oh Lord, because we can trust in you, and because we could put our lives in your hands. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that is listening. Help them, O Lord, to be able to have that strength, that faith, that this world will one day pass and everything that we see will go away. That the only thing that will remain is you. Heavenly Father, help us to be mindful of that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.